In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about how demons are misunderstood and fairies are jerks, how we would reform school lessons, and our theories about mysterious figures in various hats in our discussion of Mish the Bad Demon by Michelle Lamb. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Mish the Bad Demon by Michelle Lamb. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. I feel like my Kermit is a bit more justified because I'm, I'm going green today. You are. You're very green today. It's not easy being green. No. It's not easy being red. You're red. I'm red. Oh, we could play a red light, green light? We could. Or we could be Christmas. Oh, no. Demonic no, no. Christmas. I can't do another Christmas thing in July. It's fine. No. No. But what if it's demonic? Oh, no. Yes. That's not Christmas then, is it? Demonic Christmas? Sure it is. Anti-Christmas? We've done that before. Don't you remember that Krampus episode that we did? <laughs> God, I love that episode. It was so good. That was so funny. Anyway. Hi. Tis the season. <laughs> oh, give me some background information while I giggle about Krampus. Okay, sure. <laughs> so I read an interview on youngentertainmentmag.com with Michelle Lamb, and she talks about her favorite part about creating a graphic novel and says that it's always getting to the emotionally tense moments. She says she feels like conflict and disagreements are big parts of life, and although they may feel negative in the moment, she loves when there are positive outcomes from it. Then she goes on to say it's always fun to create a story and fantastical world, but the emotional core reminds us that we've all experienced something similar in our own unique life experiences. It's fascinating to me how although we live different lives, one shared story can still make others feel like they've been there before too. And I think that's really cute. That is. That's really sweet. Yeah. And it it leads me to some other thoughts, but we don't need to have those until after, you know, we've done the summary and are discussing it, ah, but... Discussion thoughts. Yes. Discussion ah. thoughts. Are we going to remember them this time? Probably not. I feel, like, I feel like we talk about, oh, we'll talk about this in the discussion, and we never do. We're going to have to actually make notes. I might actually have a note this time. We might actually go <gasps> down to it. I know. I know. I'm just going to stick post-it notes. I'm going to get a pad of post-it notes. Yeah. And every time I do this, just stick it to my forehead. Yeah. And then see how many I can get on. I mean, I have, a f- I would say, a five-finger forehead. I could get a few on there. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho, what? Should, do you have any initial thoughts? I first read this back when we did Angels and Demon Month. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 
when did we do Angels and Demons? I think I've kind of put it out of my mind. It was only a couple of months ago. Yeah, as it was well. like July. Um, it was June. June? Yeah, because yeah. June. July was road trip. How road trip. Road I, that's, trip. That's why I put my hand on my forehead again. Not measuring my to forehead, fair, but covering my shame. You did travel hours did. and hours. I did. And thousands of miles in your road trip. I did. I really did. You had the ultimate road trip. I did. No, we did Angels and Demons back in June. Yeah. And goddamn, those books... But come on, no, White Hot Kiss lingers, and you just the more you think about it, the more you're like, this book is stupidly fun. If we do an, a bad book month, we're doing book two um, and three. Let's just get it out there. But I read this one because I thought it was cute, it has a demon, and it is not fallen, which I feel still mortally offended by. And this is just cute. And I remember saying to you, it's cute. Yeah. And then I probably went, and, Yeah, but insert eye know, roll here. Hang on a second though, Amanda. We love a fictional hangover, a cute graphic novel. We do love precious things. Precious graphic novels are the like the most sweetest thing that we do. Yeah. Fiction, give us the grotesque horror, you know? Yeah. But if you're going to give us a graphic novel, we want adorbs. Yeah. We want cinnamon rolls everywhere. Yeah, we do. You're right. You're right. And carrots everywhere. And garlic everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> fluffy ears. Anywho, so that's my initial thoughts. I first read it back a couple of months ago as, as an antidote to Fallen. Yeah. My initial <laughs> thoughts were going to be something similar about how you... You tried to force this one on us, and then we decided to do something else instead. So, here we are, covering it now. <laughs> smooth. I'm so smooth. So smooth. Whatever. Smooth like butter. Let's do the summary. Let us do the summary. Mount Magma is the home of the demons. It is a land of lava and industrialism. Demons work during the night to purify their lava because lava brings life to Mount Magma. The work is hard and the fate of nearly every demon. As the sun rises, Chow, one of the oldest workers, gathers her things, says goodbye to her colleagues, and heads home to Mish, her granddaughter. Mish is delighted her grandma has made it just in time for the start of her favourite show, Princess Nuna. It's the final episode and it's going to be epic! Princess Nuna is a crime-fighting fairy from Pumera City and one day Mish is going to visit and learn everything about fairies. Chow would like to watch the lost story of Mount Magma but understands her granddaughter may not be interested in history until she's older. Mish is mesmerised as Nuna uses her ruby to destroy evil and heal all. The finale was amazing. But now it's time for bed and she has a tiny little sleep mask and it says dream and it's very adorable. She's very tiny and very precious, especially for a demon. Yes. The next night, Mish wakes up early, skips breakfast and heads to Mount Magma Middle School. Making sure the other school demons don't see her, Mish crawls through some sharp thorny vines to Olivia, a white flower she's been looking after. 
Unfortunately, Mish was not as sneaky as she thought and was spotted by Xavier and his friends. Xavier pushes Mish out of the way and pulls Olivia from the ground, telling Mish she knows skipping class for a flower isn't allowed. Mish is devastated and walks away from Olivia's ripped up pieces, crying on her way to class. Mish is late for her How to Breathe fire class and is called out because it was for a flower and put on the spot to demonstrate her abilities. She should have been practising. In a lesson for you some display, Misha's fire breath is more of a burp. And it just makes everybody laugh really long. Really loud. Xavier has been practising, and his fire breath is most impressive. The school bell rings, and in her next class, again, Misha's display of demonic powers isn't great. Her acid puking is non-existent. She gets stuck in a tree in horn <laughs> sharpening. <laughs> and the look on her face is just amazing. <laughs> She's so fed up. Her night vision is far too bright. I like that panel She gets too. burned during lava moulding. I oh, love no. Not a successful day. It's not a successful day, but my goodness, do I love her night vision, that night vision panel, because her eyes are open really big and it's just like flashlight Full beams coming out. Beam, everyone's honestly. like, ah. <laughs> Later, back at home, Chow finds Mish sulking on her bed. Chow tells Mish there are times she doesn't feel like she fits in either, which is astounding to Mish because her grandma is literally the coolest grandma ever. Chow explains when she first started to work at the lava treatment plant, she was the oldest and the oldest female, and it took a while before the other workers believed she was capable and accepted her. Chow knows she still doesn't fit in, but she's okay with that. Mish never knew her grandma felt that way. Chow tells Mish being unique is not a bad thing, and she likes it, and one day Mish may feel the same way. Letting Mish sulk for just a little bit longer, Mish lies back and wishes she could be just like Princess Nuna. I like when Chow leaves. She's like, you you can keep sulking, but not for much longer. But she's giving her permission. It's like, you go ahead for just a little bit more. Exactly. You feel your feelings, but don't let it drown you. Yeah. And I think that's perfect. Yeah. The next night, Chow waves Mish off to school. The walk is somewhat eventful. Some demon boys puke acid each other. You know, demon boys are just gross. Yeah, they are. Two classmates get their horns tangled, which Mish tries to help with. A one-eyed cat Mish tries to pet hisses at her instead. And a plate of eyeballs and entrails totally grosses her out. All of this means Mish is late for school. Again. Xavier is waiting at the entrance for her because the teacher sent him to look for her. Xavier tells Mish she's going to fail while everyone else is working hard, and then he spots a fairy figurine poking out of her backpack. Xavier pulls it out and the two get into a fight. Xavier calls Mish a disgraced demons while Mish shouts, I'm not a demon! They push and shove at each other, fighting for the fairy figurine until they reach the hillside and Mish goes over the edge. Realising what has happened, Xavier runs back to the school for help. After rolling, skidding, and bouncing down the hillside, Mish lands next to a lava stream and some three-eyed frogs on her lily pad. As she dusts herself <laughs> off, she finds her fairy figurine, and it's still intact. Whew. 
As Misha's getting ready to leave, she hears a small demon boy cry out to his mom about some glowing goo he's found. The demon boy picks it up, and his mom snatches it from his hand, but it's too late, and they start turning to stone. Understandably, Mish is freaked out and runs for help. Mish reaches a group of older teen demons and shouts at them not to touch the green stuff because it'll turn them into stone, but they aren't scared of a little dirt. What looks like a landslide with green goo gushes toward them and turns them to stone. Mish runs to the lava treatment plant and sees the landslide is taking over Mount Magma. Demons are turning to stone everywhere, and it's not much better in the plant. Workers everywhere have been affected. Chow is on the ground, being consumed by the stone, and shouts to Mish that the lava is poisoned, and that she needs to find help, so she needs to be brave like Princess Nuna would. On the ground, next to her grandma, Mish spots a necklace with a fang-shaped green gem, and picking it up, she tells her grandma she loves her. Mish leaves Mount Magma, intending to get help from Princess Nuna and her magic ruby. The woods outside the limits of Mount Magma are scary, filled with strange noises and crying trees. Um, what? <laughs> crying trees? Of course. Okay. Do you not have crying trees outside your city limits? No, I don't. Oh. Mish stops to talk to the trees, and one pats her on the head causing her horns to get stuck, which actually delights the trees and makes them laugh. As <laughs> Mish and the trees laugh, the necklace in her backpack seems to move and glow, which is weird, so Mish places it around her neck. Now it's time to find Plumeria City, and with a tree giving her a lift up, Mish is able to get the lay of the land and spots the right direction she needs to go. Straight up into the clouds. Ooh. Thankfully, the clouds are bouncy, and Mish is able to jump from one to another to the massive golden city gates. Unfortunately, there is a bald fairy with a clipboard and a very dismissive attitude stopping her entry. Honestly, he is so grumpy. There is a special event today, and not just anyone is allowed in Palmyra City. Frowning, Mish walks away along the golden fence of the city lined with rose bushes. Stopping to sniff the roses, Mish sneezes flames, which has not part of the fence enough for her to squeeze through. Take that bold fairy. Strangely, Mish's necklace starts glowing again. Mish makes her way through a farmer's market, appropriating items to disguise herself as a fairy, including some leaves to act as wings and a hat to hide her horns. The whole city is bright and colourful with fairies flying about everywhere, and Mish absolutely loves it. Mish makes her way to Princess Nuna's palace. Once again, there is Fairy with a clipboard, stopping people from getting inside. However, Mish's super cute disguise gets her mistaken for a forest fairy, and she's waved through. Inside, the palace is huge and gorgeous, and filled with flowers, fountains, and trees. And between the sweeping double staircase is a buffet table laden with goodies and a ginormous multi-tier cake. As Mish and the fairy girls ogle their surroundings, a voice calls out, Welcome, my little pixies! Thank you for your years of supporting me and my show, and for making it to my birthday party! It's Princess Nuna, and it's her birthday! <laughs> oh my god! 
That's not a fun garlic. <laughs> the party starts with musical pillows. As Princess Nuna announces the last one standing is a rotten demon, Mish is taken aback a little. Hmm, that's not nice. But then she spots the magic ruby on Princess Nuna's necklace. Mish is pushed into playing the game, constantly worried she will lose her cute little hat and is hiding her demon horns. It does actually happen, though, when she and Princess Nuna bash into each other trying to get to the same pillow. The fairy girls all recoil as they spot Misha's horns, and at the same time, the real forest fairy is brought into the party. The jig's up! Oh, no. Suddenly, Princess Nuna's mom appears, and she is angry. Mish dashes off, saying she can explain as the fairy girls fly away from Mish, screaming for her not to come near them. Princess Nuna is trying to tell her mom she can deal with the demon herself, but her mom clearly thinks Nuna is incapable. As the queen readies a spell, Nuna pounces on Mish, knocking her to the ground, crying out that demons always ruin everything. Mish thinks of her grandma and knows that that's not true because demons aren't bad. Clasping her necklace, Mish says, we're good. The necklace starts glowing and rises of its own accord. Suddenly, Mish's horns grow, then the rest of her body, and her eyes turn red, and what is improbably a terrifying voice tells everyone to stay back. Completely ignoring Misha's warning, a guard fairy draws their sword and comes forward so Mish pukes acid. The queen says she has been left with no choice and creates a magic ball which turns into a portal. At the same time, Nuna flies towards Mish. Together, they fall through the vortex. Oh, no. Nutsies. Nuna keeps fighting with Mish as they fall through the vortex and land in a river in what looks like a jungle. And Mish is no longer in scary demon form. Nuna reaches for her magic ruby, but it's disappeared. Mish, being genuinely nice, tells Nuna it couldn't have gone far and starts to look for it. Nuna, who seems genuinely, uh, not nice, blames Mish for losing the ruby and for her mom being angry and for never being allowed to do anything by herself ever again. Mish's suggestion that Nuna fly for a better viewpoint to look is met with more anger because fairy princess Nuna can't fly without her ruby because she was born with a torn wing. Well, even though everything on Nuna's show is proving to be a lie, Mish still loves it. This does not placate Nuna, but that doesn't matter to Mish. She is going to help find that ruby. Wow, she's such a good person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only one so far. Yep. Well, except for Chow. Chow. But she's stoned right now. Yeah. She's inconvenienced. Yeah. Back in Plumera City, the Queen gives a speech about her daughter's kidnapping. Nuna's whereabouts are unknown, so she will leave to find her. Meanwhile, Mish and Nuna have found a dark and scary cave, and it's squishy? Well, demons can shine light with their eyes, so Mish heads further in, and as she does so, pulling Nuna along, her necklace begins to glow again, which is good because the light helps them spot a giant, ooh, I 
never say it. Uvula. 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 I can never say it. And I've got fangs. Say it with a U. Uvula. I know, but I can never say it. And I've only put the bloody word in. Her necklace begins to glow again, which is good because the light helps them spot a giant uvula. <laughs> They're in a mouth! A rumble starts. The uvula begins to wiggle and the ground starts to move because it's not the ground, it's a tongue. (laughs) Mish grabs Nuna's hand and pulls her toward the uvula and they hold on. Throughout, Nuna is being horrible, blaming Mish and demons for their predicament, which is the most upsetting thing to Mish, who never believed her hero could be so mean. Mish cries herself sick and pukes acid all over the giant tongue below, which causes the creature to poot them out. Look, it, it's really difficult to, to determine what orifice they're coming from in this panel. It, you whore, but it doesn't look. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily... Mish's necklace causes her to transform again, and, holding Nuna, Mish flies. The creature behind rears up, and it looks like a really derpy pufferfish. <laughs> Unfortunately, Mish has never flown before and doesn't normally have wings, so they crash. Electricity then charges between Mish's horns, which she directs toward the derpy pufferfish. The zap makes it shrink, and it swims off to live its best derpy pufferfish life. (laughs) I love that little guy. Well, what the heck just happened? (laughs) No idea. What? That was surreal, but okay, let's go with it. It seems, though, that every time Misha's necklace glows, it gives her the power or ability she needs at that time. Convenient. Well, that's very convenient. Regardless of how, Nuna is grateful and actually thanks Mish. <gasps> Finally, Nuna listens to Mish and she's able to explain what happened at Mount Magma. How she got the necklace and why she came to Plumaria City. Well, Mish saved Nuna, so maybe Nuna can help save Mish. So, they just need to find the ruby. Great. We have a plan. Kind of. Yay! Yeah-ish. It's a goal. It's not a plan. Right, right, right. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Plumeria City, the palace guards are clearing up the mess from the party. One guard, however, seems to be up to something. He ducks out to a secluded place and makes a phone call to a mysterious woman in a large hat, veil, and sunglasses. He reports that a demon broke into the palace and was sucked into a vortex with Princess Nuna. The mysterious woman is not impressed, but what's done is done, so long as the guardian keeps out of it. Nervously, the sneaky guard tells the mysterious woman about Mish transforming. Well, of course this would happen, but for now, the mysterious woman instructs the sneaky guard to let the queen take care of the demon. Back in the jungle, Nuna asks Mish to teach her to fly once Mish gets the hang of it. And Nuna is forced to confess that all of her show is fake. It doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Mish still loves it. As they talk, a city comes into view, 
but it is in a valley and still some distance away. Magic demon necklace to the rescue! Mish transforms and, carrying Nuna ungracefully, very ungracefully, flies them to the city where they land in a busy park full of different magical creatures and cryptids. They wander around, Nuna being recognised on the way, until they happen across a wonderful-looking food hut area. It smells freaking amazing. <laughs> and the desserts, oh my god, they are so drew-worthy. <laughs> the cute seller in a baseball cap and the fluffiest little doggy ears introduces herself as Chai and invites them to sit anywhere. Mish notices someone in a hoodie drinking a bub lava, the famous Mount Magma drink, so Chai offers to make one for her, and Nuna will take a cupcake. Nuna tries the bub lava and really likes it. Chai overhears them talking and asks if Mish is a demon from Mount Magma because her other customer is too. Chai ran into him in the forest and he's been really quiet. Mish approaches the demon in the hoodie and discovers it's Xavier! They're shocked <gasps> to see each other. Xavier doesn't know what happened at Mount Magma, and as both Mish and Xavier become sad again, Chai offers to help. She has food and shelter and is happy to share. In a camp in the forest at night, Mish explains what happened at Mount Magma and her adventure so far. Nobody is talking about what happened at Mount Magma at all. Is it that they don't know or don't care? Chai tells Mish she came to the right place and that they'll help figure it out. Chai tells them that her family forced out of their home too and perhaps it's linked to what happened at Mount Magma. Nuna tells them she needs to find her ruby because it has magical powers that may help. Chai has never seen a fairy ruby but does have an idea where they can get one. With a loud Oh! Chai calls a pack of wolves and transforms herself. She's part wolf! Mish, Nuna, and Xavier hop on the backs of wolves, and at great speed, they run through the forest to the top of the hill. As they go, Mish's necklace glows, and she transforms. Wings spread. Nuna encourages Mish as she wobbles a bit. Mish swoops down, grabs Nuna, and helps her try to fly herself. It's not easy, and she is also very wobbly, but Nuna starts to fly. The race to the top of the hill is on. The view from the top is beautiful. Chai tells them they are in Ponderosa now, where all types of creatures live together. Primaria City can sometimes be seen from up here, but it's too foggy to see Mount Magma. As Misha looks at the vista, she spots a familiar building from an episode of Princess Nuna. It's all jagged and looks like rocky outcroppings merged together to form a building. Chai says it's the city's museum, filled with lots of old stuff and artefacts. An artifact like a fairy ruby. Stealing might be bad, but mm. they do need to get it back. Mm. <laughs> I feel like this is part of the conversation that we had while I was in London. Uh, stolen artifacts museum? Yes, the British <laughs> Museum, yes. Are you technically stealing something when you own the thing that the museum has stolen itself? I don't think so. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. As Greece marches on the priest. <laughs> <laughs> Closely followed by Egypt. 
With everyone on board for some grand larceny, they make a plan. Chai encourages the gang to get a good night's sleep if they're going to bring their A-game, which everyone agrees to. The following morning, they head to the museum. It's filled with interesting exhibits, and it's difficult not to get distracted. There are a few rubies in paintings and on secured pedestals, but none are Nuna's ruby. Suddenly, Nuna spots a room filled with rocks, crystals, and geodes. Projected onto the crystal display are fairies who look scared and demons, but it's difficult to see what the demons are doing. Nuna spots what she thinks is her ruby surrounded by security guards, (laughs) which are humanoid bodies with cameras for heads, and they might be my favorite characters. (laughs) They're so weird, but I love them. I I love them. Well, it's time for Chai and Xavier to do their thing. Chai turns into her wolf form and distracts one guard. Then Xavier waits for Mish and Nuna to get closer to the ruby before he will blow smoke to cover them breaking the glass and grabbing the ruby. Come on, let's do this. Mish and Nuna approach and Nuna inspects the glass as Mish overhears a couple of patrons talking about what the fairies did to the demons. They stole the lava source from the demons to create a ruby and used it to threaten them because fairies wanted more lava. Mish asks Nuna if the fairies had anything to do with what happened in Mount Magma, and Nuna gets defensive at the accusation. Given the history between demons and fairies and the way Mish was treated in Plumeria City, it's not unwarranted to ask. Mm. Mish gets upset and breathes fire, making the security guard raise the alarm. Xavier, thinking it's a signal, starts breathing smoke. Mish spots Nuna's ruby and uses the confusion to headbutt the glass, smashing it and grabbing it. Grasping her necklace desperately, Mish wills it to transform her so she can fly. But nothing happens. Nuna shouts at Mish to stop and shoves her, causing the ruby to drop. Nuna demands her ruby back and accuses Mish, saying that they were meant to do this together. Mish counters that she thought she could trust Nuna. In sudden and dramatic fashion, the queen arrives and uses a spell to trap Mish, Nuna, Chai, and Xavier and tows them out of the museum as it's being evacuated, while the obviously evil sneaky palace guard watches it happen. In Plumeria City, the queen has let Nuna out of the holding spell to explain herself, but left the others inside what not now looks like like a big pink prison snow globe. <laughs> Nuna tells her mother she is the one who needs to explain. The queen tells Nuna the ruby never left the palace in the first place. It was left behind when she fell through the vortex, and the museum was a trap to get her back. The Queen clearly does not have any faith in her daughter's judgment or abilities. The Queen then turns on Mish and demands to know where her parents are as they need to be held accountable for her daughter's actions. Mish stands up to the Queen and tells her if it weren't for the fairies, Mount Magma wouldn't be poisoned. The Queen is visibly confused at this accusation. As the Queen dismisses Mish and is about to punish Nuna, Xavier stands up and shouts, I know what happened, okay? The Queen is not interested in Xavier's exclamation. She's too busy dictating to Nuna and being offended by Mish bringing up history and past precedent and says that clearly Mish is a liar and a thief who wants to leave Nuna powerless. Nuna shows her she can fly 
and says that she would never have learned if not for Mish. She explains that Mish came to Plumeria City looking for help to save her home and was treated like a monster, so she can't be blamed for thinking fairies were behind the travesty on Mount Magma. It's time to show the demons that fairies aren't bad. Reluctantly, the queen agrees. The queen lets Mish, Chai, and Xavier out of their magical prison globe and grants temporary flying powers to Chai and Xavier. As Misha's wings haven't come out because the necklace lies dormant, Nuna takes Misha's hand and carries her. Together, they go to Mount Magma, and it's devastating when they get there. It's quiet, ghostly, and eerie. Green goo is everywhere, and everyone has been turned to stone. They land next to the lava lake, and Xavier explains what happened. Xavier kept getting bad scores in lava molding class despite all his studying. He started practicing on his own at a nearby lava lake, and one day a woman, who's wearing a beanie and has big cat's eye glasses, is demonstrating lava molding to a group of kids. The woman offers to show Xavier how to mold lava if he meets her there tomorrow. The next day, Xavier is right on time, and the woman, in a different hat this time, shows him how to mold lava without burning himself. She uses a special ointment to coat her hands and is willing to give her spare one to Xavier. After the fight Misha and Xavier had in school, he realized the ointment had fallen out of his pocket. Rather than go looking for it, he wanted to get help from Mish. However, one of Xavier's friends spotted the open vial, and when he picked it up, he started to turn to stone. Their other friends slapped it out of his hand, and the vial went flying over the hillside and landed in the lava lake, making it explode. (sighs) It's just not right. That's when Xavier knew he'd been lied to. Only then. (laughs) <laughs> Only then did he know. I mean, to be fair, he's middle school age. It can take a while for it to click. Xavier ran home, but whatever was in the vial had infected the lava, and Xavier saw his mom turning. Mm-hmm. She told him to run, so he did, which is how Chai found him. Xavier blames himself. He did this to Mount Magma. The Queen tells Xavier someone powerful is really behind this, and Xavier was clearly a tool. She doesn't say he's a tool directly, but... But he was a tool. He was a means to an end. Yeah. Nuna asks for her ruby and tries to use its magic to help Mount Magma, but it doesn't work. Crying, Mish tells her friends that it wasn't until this moment that she realised that she actually loves being a demon. As her tears land on her shirt, the necklace glows, and Mish begins to transform. Mish breathes fire on a couple of stone demons, but nothing happens. She tries electricity. Again, nothing. Mish drops to the ground, and her friends rally around her, saying they will find her a new home. Nuna gives Mish a hug, and her ruby necklace knocks into Mish's, and they tangle together. Actually, they fit perfectly together and start glowing. Wow. Light emanates from the joined gems, firing into the sky. Lightning crashes down and hits the stone demons, causing the stone to crack and freeing the demons inside. It's very Ghostbusters at this point. It really is. (laughs) It really is. Everything is repairing itself. This means Chow will be free. 
Mish flies to the lava plant, her friends following. Amongst the workers, Mish finds her grandma free from the stone crust. Mish tells her that she went to Plumeria City for Princess Nuna's help and she met the Fairy Queen. Chow can see that, as the Fairy Queen, along with her daughter Chai and Xavier, land next to them. Chow has a pretty cute fangirl moment with Princess Nuna. Nuna tells Chow that Mish is a hero who admits she couldn't have done it without the fang necklace. Chow, looking extremely sheepish and to everyone's absolute astonishment, admits that she probably should have told Mish sooner that she, uh, yeah, and she's a guardian of Mount Magma. What? Chow retired when she had Misha's mom, but channeled her guardian powers into the fang necklace, intending to pass it on to Misha's mom and then to Mish. Um, excuse me, what? <laughs> Mish is just a kid, but being a hero doesn't have an age limit. Nuna points out that Mish also has her friends at her back. Well, they need to find the stranger who did this to Mount Magma, and the queen promises Plumeria City will help. A threat to Mount Magma is a threat to everyone. Demons and fairies will work together to try to stop the threat. As the panels pan back, it shows Xavier being hugged by his mom, Olivia, the flower blooming again, and sneaky guard on the phone to the mysterious woman. So, she was wrong about the guardian keeping out of it. The mysterious woman hates being wrong. As she looks out over a dig site with a huge excavator and dump truck, the mysterious woman closes the story with a threat. She'll wish she never revealed herself. Yeah. <gasps> to be continued. Cliffhanger! Yeah. <laughs> oh, how fun. That was good. That was very good. Very precious. Let's go get a bubblava. Yeah. Why we have a promo. Hi there, I'm Volley, one of the hosts of the Reading Queens podcast. If you love books, fandom discussions, and having a good time, join your new internet friends as we take on such topics and more. Hosted by a group of published authors, Reading Queens is a podcast for every book lover. Every week we get together to blab about our favorite books, why we love them, and the book boyfriends we wish were real. You can find the episodes on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other platforms, with a new episode launching every Wednesday. Thanks. Now back to the show. So what are your standout moments? I mean, the whole thing is together is just adorbs. It's very cute. It's really very cute. But like I had I had some feelings about it. Um, Ooh, tell me. There was so much bullying. Like, the teacher at, you know, demon school was even a bully. And I hated that. Yeah. I hated it. What What teacher sends another student to go and find out where a student is? Yeah, especially the student who is a giant bully to the missing student. Like, why would you do that? That's just a fight and a tumble and a stone-turning ointment in the lava waiting to happen. I'm not defending Xavier, but I don't know if he's as bad as first impressions at the school make it out to be. Because what he says to Mish about she isn't trying 
want everybody else. She's going to fail because she's not trying. It's like he's telling her you need to start putting some effort into your schoolwork because everybody else is and it's not fair on them and it's not fair on you. He just doesn't know how to say it appropriately. And I'm not I'm not saying he should get into scraps with her. I'm not saying he should um mess with her personal property. But I do think Xavier's trying in some way to try and get through to Mish and give her a little bit of a reality check, but he's doing it wrong. Uh, yeah, he rips up a flower and destroys it right in front of her. Demon, don't like flowers, perhaps? Because even the, even the teachers who, again, not defending them, but, you know, they're like, you're late for school because of flower. I mean, to be fair, that is a terrible reason to be late to school. It's a terrible reason to be late to school, but still. Yes, I think the means don't justify what they've done. But I also think that Xavier's trying to get Mish to realise she's she's not a fairy. She's a demon at school and she needs to do her homework. (laughs) Yeah, but we probably could have done it in a much better way. But yes. again, like the, yeah. like I guess, well, not really that, not really that part. But when we when we move later into Plumeria and the Queen is is there and like she's violently racist. Oh my God, she's so bad. It was so. It was. I think that is my surprise actually. And and I appreciate that it was done in this, you know, middle grade book in a not, it's not like sneaky, but, you know, it's... Palatable? Yeah, I guess. Accessible. So, accessible, yeah. So I appreciate that it happens, but freaking yikes at the violent, violent racism. <laughs> It's, it was so bad, so bad. Yeah. And it turns out the fairies. I like this is what I like. The fairies actually are the bad ones in the fact that they are so violently racist. Yeah. Yeah. They don't listen. Like Nuna does not listen to Mish for a long, long time. She blames Nuna. Sorry, Nuna blames Mish. For things out of her control and that Nuna needs to take responsibility for. And the Queen doesn't listen to Mish and dismisses Mish and Xavier straight away. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of like the fact that the fairies are bad guys because we've said it before when we've done fairy books. We're not the biggest fan of fairies. No, we're not. And this is a perfect, perfect example of garbage person fairies. Yes. And demons who aren't that bad. No. Demons who are actually quite precious. Demons are misunderstood. They are. Demons are misunderstood and fairies are jerks. Yes. (sighs) I really did like demon school, though. Especially those panels where Mish is... (laughs) 
failing horrendously at all of her tasks especially like i said especially the night vision panel it's hilarious <laughs> i do enjoy that one yes i would like to go to this demon school i would like to learn acid puking and fire breathing yes and night vision yes they're all so good <laughs> My my favorite was the horn sharpening, <laughs> and she's just dangling by the horns from the tree branches. Just the face is just, oh my life. But why is that even a class? <laughs> like that should just that should be. I don't know. It's basic demon thing. I, yeah. Hey, I can argue to the cows come home that school needs to have more basic life skills you're right it, i was gonna say that's more of a life skill and then i started thinking no because there actually should be life skills classes that's why i kind of stopped talking mid-sentence <laughs> yes we need to reform education to include life skills yeah you know hair brushing t- t- fang brushing horn sharpening yes. these are all reasonable things yes not being a jerk. Not being a jerk. How to change your oil in your car. I'm going into more human things here. Hey, no, they had cars. Well, they had cell phones at the very least. Yeah. How to pay bills. How to pay bills. What's a bank account? What's a credit card? Yeah. How to get a mortgage. Yeah. How to pay your taxes. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a US Right, thing. yeah. Well, no, if you're self-employed, you still need to do it in the UK. There's so many things that should be taught in school. Let's reform the educational system. All right. Me and you, right now, wearing fangs and demon horns. School reform. Yes. Let's do it. It's perfect. (laughs) We're getting more politically minded as we get older, so yeah. God, we are. We really, really are. (laughs) And we'll have, like, Acid puking as well. Yeah, of Throw course. Throw that in there. Of course. You you want to get a mortgage where you're going to need to know how to puke acid. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably going to puke acid when you realise how much you're actually paying for your home. Exactly. So let's make sure you know how to do it safely. Yes. Cool. What else? What else stood what, out What, in the you? educational system? Because no, I could list off. back to the book. <sighs> back to Mish. Do you know, I... I you know, when you read, you kind of think, oh, Princess Duna's horrible. She's just horrible. It takes so long for her to actually, like, stop being horrible. Yeah. And it makes you question, should you ever meet your heroes? And it's... That's a difficult question, I think. Should you ever meet your heroes? Because they don't always turn out to be jerks. Yeah, sometimes they're not jerks. Exactly. Sometimes everything's fine. Sometimes exactly. it's completely okay to meet... The person that you've wanted to meet in real life for four plus years. Sometimes it's okay for that to happen. Exactly. I think she's in to get something. Yes, I agree. But sometimes I feel sorry for Mish. Nuna was horrible. Yeah. But I mean, look at her mom. She clearly learned all of that. And then being away from her mom for just a short period of time, she realizes, oh, yeah, I've been wrong. I'm just wrong about a lot of things. She learned to fly really quickly. 
She did well. I mean, her she just had one little tatter out of her wing. That's not going to hold her bat from flying. She might have to try a little bit harder, you know, with like wind resistance and stuff like that. But her wings were almost completely intact. Just a little tatter. That's, That's I was thinking the muscles must have atrophied. The wing muscles must have atrophied. But then if she's been using a ruby to help... Well, the ruby's probably just offered the stability and her wings have, have been doing it, but now it's just a mental block and her yeah. mother's voice in her head going, you can't do it. You are incapable. Yeah. Her mom's Bad the worst. Mom. Mom's horrible. Yeah. She's... Bloody fairy queens. I think instead of a favourite character this time, I just have a least favourite character. <laughs> it's the yeah. mom and she's garbage. She's absolute garbage. But the grandma's not. No. Say, like... Chow loved Chow. I loved she was Chow. so supportive. And so I also nice. I really liked Chai as well. Yes. I love Chai. I love her floofy little doggy ears. Her willingness to help. Yeah. Chai is good people. Yeah. I was really worried, you know, when they show up and there's all the food huts and stuff, and I was thinking, oh no, how it like they don't have any money. How are they going to buy food? And then Chai was like, hey, come on, sit down. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Hi, hi, hi. Like, I could just imagine her little tail wagging in the back. <laughs> yeah, because she might be going, oh, it's Princess Nuna. I'm going to get a big tip. <laughs> but her family got driven out of their home and now she lives in the forest. I know. So, I hate that. But she made the yes. best of it, though, too. She's like, I like it. I like it here. She really did. But now we've got Chai's story mm -hmm. like simmering there in the background almost as a little the side note but then we have the events of what happened with Mount Magma and we see in the final panel the mysterious woman in the big dig site it's like oh well what is going on I for one am very intrigued as to who the mysterious woman is yes where she gets her hats from yeah and what is going on? I just had a thought that probably is not true at all. But what if it was Misha's mom? Because Misha's mom isn't in the story at all. I was wondering about that. There was only one brief mention, and it was Chow saying, Yeah, I was going to pass this on to your mom and then to you. But she still has it? So that means she didn't pass it on to Misha's mom. Exactly. So where is Misha's mom? Wearing a hat. Wearing wearing a selection of hats. Because it's quite obvious that the woman who gives the vial to Xavier is the mysterious woman. Right. And she's wearing hats. Similar to Mish when she put on the straw hat and was mistaken for the forest fairy to hide her horns. Yeah. There are other creatures and cryptids we see. Yes. But this They're is very really much a adorable. But this very much centers on the demons and the fairies. But yeah, yeah, I think I had that same thought, especially because she knows about the guardians, and she knows that the guardians, the demon guardian, the Mount Magma guardian, is not active. Yeah. And now she's found out that it is active. I would honestly not be surprised if it turned out to be Misha's mom. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, but then, we have a theory. Yeah, but then, like, why? What is her motive? 
well, we don't know because this this entire book, barring a few panels, has concentrated on Mish. Yeah. Maybe in future books, we'll find out about the mysterious woman. Maybe we will. Dum, dum, dum. I think this is a good time to move to Wujirada, actually. I think so, too. Pew, 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 pew. Wujirada. Pew, 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 So, we asked on social media, and we asked this one a little bit late, so thank you to everybody who did join in on the questions, because we did have a schedule change. Um, We asked... Would you rather infiltrate a celebrity's birthday party or rob a museum? (laughs) (laughs) And on Facebook, 70% are infiltrating the party. Instagram, 60% are infiltrating the party. Twitter, can't decide, 50-50. And on TikTok, slightly, slightly more, with 51% infiltrating the birthday party. But let's face it, when you've got 51-49, it's pretty much an even split. It's so close. And we do have a few comments. Drew on Facebook said, I have to say robbing a museum seems like a lot more work than sneaking into a party. Constance on Facebook said, depends on the celebrity. I bet PC Cast or Florence Pugh would throw awesome parties. We did get back to Constance and say if PC Cast was to host a party, she'd be on the guest list, so she's hardly sneaking in there. Right, I know. I feel like we all would be just... We would all get special invitations to PC Waltzing cast. up the red yeah. carpet yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Brie on Facebook said, Rob the museum. Maybe I'll get my butt handed to me by Lara Croft or Indiana Jones. And it sounds much cooler when telling prison stories. Yeah, that makes me look like a creepy stalker. Glim Glam Jen on Instagram said, I'm robbing a museum, but I'll wear a cat burglar suit, night vision goggles, and a few scrunchies. I'm also bringing a cat to release. <laughs> <laughs> She's so precise. I love Glim Glam Jen's response. <laughs> Me too, so much. They get better every week, too. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, are we just going to hijack Glim Glam Jen's response and say that? That's what we're doing. Yes, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Also, I'm robbing like... museum, by the way. You know what? Hello, I'm British. We have precedent where we just go to places and just steal stuff. Right. And put them in our own place things and just don't give them back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like Bree's response. Like, it's so less creepy to rob a museum than to sneak in to a party. Plus, I've seen the Sandra Bullock Oceans movie and I'm like, yeah, can we do that, please? I... Let's go and rob the Met Gala. What I want to know is... Can I dress up super incognito and sneak into the birthday party? Because, like, Mish kind of did. You know, she was mistaken for a forest fairy. So, like, can I just cosplay as someone else and sneak into the birthday party? Amanda, I am not going to tell you no. Of course I'm going to say yes. That's a dumb question. I know. (laughs) That's what I want to do. I feel like there's a... There's a smaller chance of me, you know, like, being thrown into prison, sneaking into a birthday party, than robbing a museum. Sneaking into a birthday party is not grand theft. No. However, I like like the idea of grand theft. But I'm going to do costumes as well. I'm going to, like, like the Sandra Bullock 
Ocean's movie that I can't remember. Is it Ocean's 12? I don't know what it's called. That. With costumes. Yeah. And, you know, going to go full thing. Yeah. Full. Yeah. I'm just going to walk in, buy tickets, look at the exhibits and go, oh, look, there's the ruby and headbutt the glass. I'm not doing that. That's yeah. too tame. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next question. Mm. Would you rather breathe fire or puke acid? <laughs> this is really difficult because eyes is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. But I'm going to go for breathe fire because it's a classic. Yeah. I'm going to go puke acid because it's not classic. <laughs> but, like, I feel like it was so funny, those panels, when they were puking acid, because they all had, like, little bowls, and they were just, like, bleh, bleh, into the little bowl. Like, <laughs> I would, I think it would be better if you could, like, projectile vomit the acid. But still, She does projectile acid. vomit the acid, though. In later panels, she does. When she's in a scary demon form, she yes, is able true. to projectile. That's but- true. That little balls with the, the I know through. they're just uh, uh. <laughs> no oh I hate vomiting I hate it <laughs> so I'm doing though because why I'm not? gonna make s'mores with my breath, fire breath because I have graham crackers now or graham crackers depending on how you want to pronounce it you do and you I also do. have a little tiny s'mores kit yes I'm very much excited looking I'm gonna look, I'm, I'm looking forward to using that. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Would you rather be BFFs with a fairy or a wolf? <sighs> Who are you going to be BFFs with? Um, I'm going to pick a wolf so I can boop and snoop. Yeah. Boop and snoot. Yeah. I think I'll probably pick a wolf too. I like. I just like Chai too much to choose any yeah. of the fairies because the fairies were all jerks all garbage they're all jerks so i'm gonna go with wolf yes especially if it's chai yeah definitely Mm, chai (laughs) (laughs) Mm, chai. (laughs) okay would you rather find yourself in the mouth of a giant derpy pufferfish or in a museum heist setup because it was all a setup <gasps> I'm going to say the museum heist setup because I don't want to be eaten by a giant derpy pufferfish <laughs> and that pufferfish was so big and so derpy yeah, see, I would pick the puffer fish because I would use my acid puking abilities to get out of it. Good answer. I'm just going to cry so much that I vomit. <laughs> I'm going to breathe fire on the queen. Oh, she deserves it. She does. Gosh, anything. she's a jerk. She's the worst. Would you rather have the fairy ruby or the demon fang necklace? Demon fang necklace. This is not a question. Yes, yes this is not a question. I'm in all green today in honour of the demon fang necklace. I'm in all red because that's what colour horns I have. 
But that does not mean that I want the ruby. <laughs> no, no. Traditional demon colors. Yeah. But demon thing necklace, it's I feel like it did I mean, I don't know that it, it that it does more, but I like the idea of transforming. It's and got it's, guardian powers in there. That's yeah, gotta be big. Yeah, and like the fairy ruby I mean, I guess we really only saw it in action in the TV show. Yeah. And we also know that it helps her fly, but I don't know. Is it really that powerful? Because it helps her fly, but doesn't. we haven't seen it actually do any healing. No, but also we do learn that it it has a tiny bit of the queen's magic in it. So maybe, maybe it could be more powerful if the queen wasn't such a jerk. Well, if she trusted her daughter even a small amount. Yeah, but whatever. I'm taking the demon thing. There's, there's, there's some fa- there's some mother daughter issues that need therapy. Yeah. Between them. Yeah. I too am taking the demon fang necklace hands down. Yeah. I really loved it when she transformed for the first time and her eyes turned red. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was amazing. Her horns got all big and twisty. It was fun. Yes. Like, don't mess with me. Yeah. Ooh. No. It was really fun. Okay. Favorite final thought quote? Mm. Hey, being different really isn't as bad as you think. Hmm. And I really like the instruction from from one of the classes. Okay, students, you really want to utilise your gag reflex with this one. Your stomach acid can be used as a defence during an emergency. So try to think about something disgusting. It could be sunshine, rainbows, or unicorns. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? I really liked... We can be bad at this. Together! Yay! Aw, yay. There were a lot of really cute things, though. You're not a bad demon just because you like flowers and fairies, okay? And you don't have to be a certain age to be a hero. It's pretty precious as well. There was one that stood out to me for our superfans who are big gardeners. Mm. I have to say, plants are the best listeners. (laughs) Yeah. Because you know for a fact... Annie, especially, will just natter onto the flowers and the plants. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they know so many secrets. <laughs> secrets. Nice. All right. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I'm going to suggest the one that you showed me. <laughs> and I can't wait. We're going to have to cover it. It's going to be. It's going to be one. Rickety stitch. And the gelatinous goo. <laughs> and volume one is the Rotor Epoly, and it's by Ben Costa and James Parks. And it's described as the Hobbit meets Adventure Time as a singing skeleton searches for his origins in the full cover graphic full graphic novel. And it's a series as well. And if you like Nemona, you'll apparently like this as well. Oh, we love a Nemona, so love Nimona. yay. So meet Rickety Stitch. 
a walking, talking, singing skeleton minstrel. He's the one skeleton in the dungeon who seems to have retained his soul, and he has no idea why. <laughs> his only clue to his former identity is a song he hears snippets of in his dreams, and an epic bard's tale about the road to Epoly and the land of M. His sidekick and soul friend is gelatinous goo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a selling point in itself who Rickety alone can understand. Together they set out in search of Rickety's past with abundant humour and danger galore. And it sounds so much fun and the artwork looks really it's cool. Really cute. What are you? I am going to suggest the other one that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. Oh my god, I can't wait to read this I one. I cannot wait. <laughs> So, I am suggesting Wizkit, An Adventure Overdue by Tanya J. Scott. <laughs> it's a wild, enchanted, wonderful world out there, way beyond the fjord, that a one-eyed cat named Wizkit calls home. But Wizkit wouldn't know anything about that. As a wizard's apprentice, all her lessons are indoors, and she's far too lazy to go out exploring. There's no need to. She already knows enough spells to conjure up delicious snacks whenever she's hungry. I mean, like, what more do you need? <laughs> but when an overdue library book literally cries out to be returned, Wizkit's teacher decides she must be the one to take it back. Reluctantly, and rather accidentally, the journey to the library begins. With the annoyingly optimistic book in tow, Wizkit sets off on an adventure that is full of strange characters with even stranger problems. Wizkit will soon find out that, with a little support and a new friendship, her own magical talents can be part of the solution. I cannot wait for this one. I know, it's so funny. Do we have any new or indie spotlights? Yes, and this one is um, its a non-fiction, but it's oh. also a graphic novel. Um, nice. And it's called Strange Japanese Yokai. And this one actually, it just came out in May, so it's still pretty brand new. It's by okay. Kenji Murakami and Zach Davison. Since time immemorial... Japan has been inhabited by supernatural creatures, spirits, monsters, and demons. Here's your chance to meet them up close and personal! Yay. Strange Japanese yokai assembles an extraordinary collection of mysterious creatures in every possible shape and size, each with their own unique backstory. Some are well-known, others obscure. The one thing they share in common is that they're creepy and weird. <laughs> yes, please. Love it. Love it. We love yokai as well. We do. We really, really do. Excellent. That okay, so, so much fun. That's it for this episode <gasps> of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss The October Faction by Steve Niles. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book.
You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. And on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.